welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for joining us. Most family reunions invite well, several dozen people, maybe in some cases a hundred or more people, but one family reunion held just a few years ago, well, they invited 6.7 million people. Well, the global family reunion in New York City was spearheaded by A.J. Jacobs, a writer and humorist. He spent two years attempting to compile the world's largest family tree for his book, It's All Relative. Well, after publicizing the project in national outlets and using user-uploaded profiles from a few uh, genealogy websites, Jacobs was able to prove definitive ancestral links to an astounding 6.7 million people. Jacobs initially conceived of the project after receiving an email from an Israeli who discovered they were 12th cousins. Well, evoking a sense of family is a well-known way to create emotional bonds from sports teams to national identity. Evidence suggests that the best way to change hearts and minds may not be through numbers or facts, but in fact through family. One of the lessons of the global family reunion is that the sense of family could expand, expand beyond our current horizon. Some geneticists have estimated that no two people on Earth are further apart than approximately 100th cousins. A team writing in Nature uh, estimated that the most recent common ancestor of all current humans may have lived as recently as 5,000 years ago. Interesting. <clears throat> a family reunion is about to occur in our study of the life of Joseph. Again, the emotions that surround the scene are difficult to put into words. As all the brothers of a family separated for more than two decades are about to be reunited. Well, as we begin this segment of our study, Simeon, well, he's still being held in Egypt as a hostage, and Jacob's other sons are returning back to Egypt with their youngest brother, Benjamin. Their mission is really fourfold. To show their good faith, to prove they're not spies, <clears throat> to ransom Simeon, and to buy more food. They also bring back the original money that had been returned in their sacks on their first visit. In fact, you may remember that they brought double the money along with some special gifts. It's inevitable. They must have been trembling with anxiety. They did not know what waited them in Egypt. They did not know if they would ever find Simeon or if he would still even be still alive. They had no idea what would happen when they once again stood before that Egyptian ruler. Genesis chapter 43, beginning at verse 
15. So the men took this present, and they took double the money in their hand, and Benjamin, and they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his house steward, Bring the men into the house and slay an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. So the man did as Joseph said and brought the men to Joseph's house. At long last, Joseph was relieved to witness his brother's return to Egypt. He had probably been waiting and watching, wondering if they would accept his challenge or are they about to leave Simeon to his own fate as they had done with him so many years before. But finally, they returned. Joseph forced himself to stay calm. Counting their number, he realized that Benjamin was with them. So that's Benjamin, he thought as he stared at his younger brother. Joseph's heart must have pounded in his throat when he saw this man, who had been just a boy when Joseph was taken from his family. It's time for us to have a feast, he says to himself, and orders his steward to have a meal prepared and bring the men from Canaan to his home. I wonder what Joseph's steward was thinking of all of this. It must have seemed strange to him, to say the least. Why would the prime minister of Egypt invite these dusty, dirty nomads, a tribe of Hebrew, to a feast? But the steward obeyed his master. He had the banquet prepared, and as ordered, and brought the Israelites to Joseph's house. Verse 18. Now the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house, and they said, It is because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time that we were brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for slaves with our donkeys. So they came near to Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house and said, O oh my Lord, we indeed came down the first time to buy food and it came about when we came to the lodging place that we opened our sacks and behold, each man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full. So we have brought it back in our hand. We have also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. Well, by now, <clears throat> these grown men are really beside themselves with fear. What's going on here? Their own guilt, well, that magnified their anxiety. It's got to be about the money. And so they begin stumbling over themselves, trying to explain to the prime minister's bilingual steward. Notice what Joseph's brothers feared. They said, he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us as slaves. Well, they had sold their own brother into slavery. And now... That's what they feared for themselves. They were paralyzed by guilt. They feared the worst. While Joseph, dominated by grace, well, he was planning the best for them. 
You know, guilt sometimes causes us to say strange things at strange times. Just as a quick aside, I remember reading the story of a man that wrote a letter to Canada Revenue Agency, the CRA. The letter began like this. Dear Sir, I haven't been able to sleep because last year, when I filed my income tax, I deliberately misrepresented my income. I am enclosing a check for $1,500. Then comes the closing line of the letter. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest. Guilt always does a number on us. It did on Joseph's brothers. Those standing before an unnamed, soft-spoken servant from Egypt, whom they really didn't know, they begin to pour out their confession. We don't know how the money got back in our sacks the first time, but here it is. We have brought it all back. We've also brought additional money so that we can buy more food. That's why we're here. We're, we're here to buy food. Verse 23. And the steward said, Be at ease. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Don't you love, just love the steward's response? He says, guys, just be at ease. Calm down. Chill. The Hebrew says simply, shalom. In the vernacular, he would have said, hey, guys, just chill. Just calm down. Be at peace. Settle down. Don't be afraid. Joseph's brothers had never thought to relate the return of their money to the abundant grace of God. Why would they never think that? Because their guilt had kept them from seeing God's hand of grace operating in their lives. Verse 24, the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water and they washed their feet and he gave their donkeys fodder. So they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon for they had heard that they were to eat a meal there. This strange situation had the sons of Jacob totally confused. They had come, they brought money, they brought gifts. They're hoping to buy food and the goodwill of an Egyptian prime minister. More importantly, they had brought Benjamin just as had been requested. But instead of being asked about any of this, they're taken to the prime minister's home for a feast. They're allowed to refresh themselves. They learn a little theology from an Egyptian steward. And now they're reunited with Simeon. Well, suddenly the prime minister arrives on the scene. They hasten to present their gifts to him. But he was neither angry nor harsh. He's not marching up and down, breathing threats, and demanding to see Benjamin. In fact, he seems quite overjoyed to see all of them again. Almost immediately, he asks about their father. Was the old man still alive? Was he well? Uh, yeah, yes, he, 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 he's still alive, they replied. He's over 100 now, and he's still in good health. Despite the official's good humor, his sincere interest, they remained uneasy and anxious, still not knowing 
what to expect from this powerful man. Then came one of those rare moments that, as I mentioned at the beginning of our program, these, they defy description. Verse 29. As he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, he said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph looked up, and he sees his blood brother Jet Benjamin for the first time in some 20 years. He stood there, tears threatening to well his dark eyes as he gazed upon that beloved face. This great man, this strong-hearted, this efficient prime minister of a mighty nation is collapsing on the inside like the rest of us. Great men and women encounter those times in life when they can no longer restrain their emotions. Verse 30, As Joseph hurried out, he was deeply stirred over his brother, and he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. Can you imagine the scene all of a sudden this handsome bronze leader of million has been rushed into his bedroom and he collapses there and sobs. All those years passed in review. All the loneliness, all the loss, all of the seasons, the birthdays, all of the significant occasions without his family. Joseph, it is true, he was a great and powerful man, but he was also a real human being with real human emotions. One who could step out of the corridors of power and have the strength to weep his heart out. And so this sturdy, capable prime minister of Egypt was overcome with emotion when he saw his younger brother Benjamin for the first time in so many years. The record states he was deeply stirred and he sought a place to weep. And then, rather matter-of-factly, it just states he washed his face. You know, he, he got himself under re control. You know, he regained his composure. And he rejoins his brothers and he orders the servants to serve the meal. Look, look now at the next scene, verse 32. So they served him by himself and them by themselves and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is loathsome to the Egyptians. So after this deeply emotional moment, there's a little bit of humor, a little comic relief that appears in this scene. <clears throat> Joseph, he's sitting eating by himself. The brothers, they're eating by themselves. And the other Egyptians were eating by themselves. <laughs> All of these folks are sitting down to have lunch in the same place, but they're all eating at separate tables. The Egyptians could not bear to eat with the Hebrews. Thus, everybody's seated at different tables. Verse 33. Now they were seated before him, the firstborn according to the birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in astonishment. And he took portions from his own table. But Benjamin's portion 
was five times as much as any of theirs. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Joseph's brother, it says, they're, they're astonished at the way they were being treated. Well, they had expected a number of things to happen then, including possibly death, but certainly not this. Now, here they were, seated according to age with the prime minister of Egypt. And what a feast! Besides all the food that's at their table, it says the prime minister would bring food over from his table. Now, Benjamin, interestingly enough, was served five times the size portion of the other men. These men must have thought, I can't believe that this is happening. Well, by now, Joseph is totally overjoyed. He was so excited that he just keeps piling on the food. Sounds like something an older brother would do for a younger brother he hadn't seen in ages, especially when the elder brother is full of forgiveness and grace. It's amazing to me, isn't it, how Joseph, just these acts of grace, frees up everyone around the table. At the outset, they're all feeling anxious. There's feelings of dread and guilt. They're kind of held in its clutches. Their fear knew new bound, no bounds as they, as they made their way back to Egypt, wondering, what in the world are we going to face? But within a very short amount of time, they found themselves treated kindly, sitting around a banquet table that is just piled on with food. So all of these things caused them to be relaxed in the presence of this royalty. What relief! But better than that, what grace! They were recipients of favor they had not earned and kindness they did not deserve. They were overloaded with an abundance of provisions that there's no way possible they could ever repay. Is anyone surprised they were astonished and no longer afraid? Rather than remind them of their wrongs and force them to pay for their cruelty and all of the injustices from all those years gone by, Joseph shows them favor to the extreme. That reunion, well, really it's a banquet of grace. Grace is on full display here, thanks to Joseph. Joseph's life offers us this beautiful portrayal of the grace of God as God came to our rescue in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, many, many come to God just like Joseph's brothers, guilty, feeling the distance and, and fearing only the worst from God, only to have God demonstrate incredible generosity, grace and mercy. Instead of being blamed, we're forgiven. Instead of feeling guilty, we're freed. Instead of experiencing punishment, which is what we deserve, God says, come and, and sit at the table. And, and He serves us more than we could possibly ever take in. 
sadly for some, the situation, it feels too unreal. So we, we desperately plead our case only to have God speak kindly to us. Shalom. Peace. We try to fend off his anger by, by bargaining with him, thinking that our hard work, our, our sincere efforts will somehow pay back all those evil deeds we've done in the past, the ones that we're so guilty of. But to our astonishment, he's never even considered our attempts important enough to even mention. What we had in mind was earning just enough to silence our guilt. But what God had in mind for us was overwhelming us with such an abundance that we'd realize we would never be able to repay him. Isn't that a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ there hanging on the cross? Bearing all of the sins that you committed, that I committed. And in the process of that, forgiving us. Isn't it amazing? Isaiah chapter 30 and, and verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. Do you long for him today? Well, I have great news. Maybe better news than you could even ever imagine. You see, God longs to be gracious to us. God is offering you today all of the things you hunger for. Everything you need. He's offering it to you, to me. The, the table is just packed. It is just loaded right up. And God is there smiling, waiting for us to sit down and to enjoy this feast that he has so graciously prepared with you and I in mind. Why not have a seat? Sit at the table. God's grace and his mercy is being served. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how we long for Jesus and his grace. How we long for the freedom that comes with knowing that our sins are forgiven. Draw near to each and every viewer right now and put the joy of forgiveness into each life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that point in the program where we have our special gift for our viewers. And let me just say this before I show you the gift. Uh, these gifts are only available because viewers like yourself have generously donated the funds to allow us to provide these gifts at no charge whatsoever to our viewers. I, I have two of them today. 
One of them we've already offered on this series. It's this outrageous grace, finding a forever friendship with God, written by Dr. Dwight Nelson. This is a wonderful book. I know I've offered it already, but I'm gonna offer it again. And maybe you called in before and you received it for yourself. Call back and get a copy to give to a friend. But so you don't feel shortchanged, I'm gonna offer another book also, another small book called The Great Hope. Uh, this is probably one of the most widely distributed books in the world. You may not have ever read it, but it's a great, it's a great book. It's a revealing book that shows the battle between good and evil and who wins. So we have both of these books available. If you'd like both of them, you can order both of them. If you would just like one of them, you can just request one of them. Here's the information you need to get your copies. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me thank you for tuning in, uh, for faithfully being viewers of this program. Uh, let me ask you to let your friends and family know about the program so that we can increase our viewership. Uh, one of the ways you can do that is through the website our Lessons for Living television website, l4ltv.com. On the website, all the previous programs are there. You can send in a Bible question. You can find out where I will be appearing live. Um, there's also a Donate Today page. You'll see that we are a charitable organization. Any donation you make to us is eligible for a receipt for income tax purposes. You can donate uh, on that page uh, if you like. Um, and many of you have done that, and we truly appreciate that. That's what helps to keep the ministry on the air. Remember our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Be informed of any time we add new material to the YouTube channel. Like us on Facebook. I also want to draw your attention to the Mission Now Canada website. And Mission Now Canada is a program or a division of our ministry that deals with our overseas mission work in places like the Philippines or in Paraguay where we work with the indigenous peoples uh, providing free medical care, free dental care, clothing for the children. We help on a building project. If you'd like to be part of a mission trip or if you'd like to donate to that overseas work, you can do that on the website missionnowcanada.com.
www.thepeopleshow.com. That's all the time we have. Thank you for being here. Let's make a, an appointment to do this back again next week. I hope you'll join us. God bless you. We'll see you then.